Let's all stand together. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 19 today, a message I call the tragedy of a wasted life. Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. May God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. We've been looking at a series of messages I call the uh, Abraham, the father of all who believe. Here in the book of Genesis as it covers the story of Abraham's life. And today we have the tragic, the sad, the disturbing story of Lot and of God's judgment on the cities of the plain, most prominent of which, of course, was Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 18 told the story of how God met with Abraham and reaffirmed his promise concerning the birth of the promised child uh, by Sarah and also taught us about Sarah's laughter and Abraham's laughter and a little boy uh, whose name is going to be Laughter, Isaac. Uh, Then on a more ominous uh, note, there was a purpose revealed. For the Lord and his angels were on their way to Sodom. We saw that in verse 20 of chapter 18. The Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Abraham famously responded to God's promise of judgment by intercession. Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, if ten, finally, just ten righteous people can be found there, would you spare the city? And God indeed said in verse 32, uh, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Now, Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19 are uh, the subject of of great controversy in our culture today. Uh, The ancient city of Sodom is associated with the sin of homosexuality. And the Bible is not at all ambiguous about it. The reason why uh, that it is uh, uh, connected is because of what the Bible says in verse 4 of chapter 19. Now before they lay down, the men in the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them uh, carnally. I see God is, is moving in judgment against these sinful cities. When the angels arrive and they stay with Lot, he invites them into his home for their own protection. And Lot's efforts would have been in vain, however, as this mob of men surrounded the city demanding that they be brought out to them. And thus, how that the name Sodom came to be associated with the sin of homosexuality. 
This is not the only passage in the Bible that talks about this. Romans chapter 1 and verse 26. uh, For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due or meet. Romans chapter 1. God was not ambiguous. Someone who might say, well, that's all just up for interpretation. I don't see how anybody can interpret Uh, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 to mean something other than what it says. Uh, You can disregard it. Uh, You could tear that page maybe out of your Bible, but what it says is very, very plain, unambiguous. And that is that homosexual relations, whether between men or between women, is simply declared to be sinful. In the eyes of God. And in fact is presented as a part of God's judgment against a people who reject the very knowledge of God or the idea of God. When a culture does not like to retain God in its knowledge. Romans chapter 1 says God gives them up. He gives them up to what? Vile passions. Vile desires. Sinful. Evil desires. Among which, of course, are the sins of homosexuality. Now... Homosexuality can be overcome. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteousness will or the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were. 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 Some of you. But you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. These sins, all of them, can be overcome. The power of the gospel is greater than the power of any sin. Not only to save us, but also to sanctify us and justify us and declare us righteous in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. And Paul could look out at the church at Corinth, a city of no small evil itself, and say, you people used to be this way. You used to live this way, but not anymore. And the power of sin has been overcome by the power of the gospel. But Genesis chapter 19 is not focusing in on the sin of homosexuality. It's not. It focuses in on Lot and his family. I mean, all of this story is about the scene that played out between Lot and his family. And that's why we call it the tragedy of a wasted life because Lot had it all. He was born into a very wealthy and aristocratic family of faith. Uh, Because of the generosity and protection of his uncle Abraham, Lot was a wealthy man. Because of Abraham's testimony, Lot was a saved man. But his story is a story of a wasted life. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10, we saw a few weeks ago, said that Lot chose for himself. And that means that he made both his own choice and he chose then with the intention 
of, of seeking out what was most profitable to him. He wanted the success, the opportunity, the popularity that, uh, that Sodom had to offer, the success that would come from being a friend of the world. But of course, he wanted, no doubt as a believer, the blessings of God as well. We need to understand this morning that when he left his uncle Abraham's family, he was leaving what was God's sanctioned form of worship in that day. Uh, Israel as a nation did not exist. Of course, the church would come only after Jesus and his ministry here after Jesus arrived. And the prescribed form of worship then in the Old Testament during this period was the patriarchal system. And that is that God had chosen Abraham. He was the patriarch then of the family, the male leader of the family. And for the most part, these men then would have the opportunity to become the priest to their family as they would offer up offerings for their family. They would lead them then in the worship of God. And many of them even would become prophets. In the Old Testament, this responsibility would pass from father to his firstborn son in what was known as the birthright. The birthright in the patriarchal system gave that oldest son the responsibility of being the priest and in a sense the prophet, the communicator of God's truth to his family. Because this person then would be the spiritual leader of this family, God also promised them a blessing, what was called the blessing. The blessing gave them a double portion of their father's goods. You see, God had always provided for the support of spiritual leadership. So when it was a patriarchal family, then that oldest son would get the birthright. That is, he was to be the spiritual leader of the family. Because of that, he then would get a blessing, a double portion of his father's inheritance. Of course, we'll see that play out in, 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 in later on in the book of Genesis, uh, most famously in the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau, of course, despised the birthright, had no intention, no desire to be the spiritual leader of his family. He sold that out for a bowl of stew. And I've said it many times, and I'll say it again today, a lot of men of God these days are selling out their responsibility to be the spiritual leader of their family for much, much less than that. And they've given it away for nothing. They won't take it. But of course Esau, though he did not want the birthright, didn't want to be the spiritual leader of his family, he certainly wanted the blessing, but he didn't get that. He despised the birthright. He didn't get the blessing. And I bring all of this up this morning just for us to understand this was no small thing. This was no insignificant thing. This was God's prescribed form of worship. The patriarch of their family was their prophet and their priest. He ministered to them. He communicated God's truth to them. That was his birthright. And because of that, he also got the blessing. And when Lot walked away from that family... He walked away from God's prescribed form of worship. If Abraham and Lot ever communicated again personally, we don't know it. We assume that they did. While he was uh, interacting with Abraham, when he brought about the deliverance of the kings of Sodom and, and, and restored Lot to all of his possessions, and we assume, but... Aside from that, we, we don't know anything about it. Lot was living in a wicked place. 
isolated from God's prescribed form of worship. That's as dangerous as it gets to a child of God. Now the scenes of Sodom could easily play out in the streets of our own town. Yes, even in Cabot, Arkansas. You're in Faith Baptist Church today and I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Uh, But you're going to leave out of here and go to work. And when you go to work, you might well be working in Sodom. When you go to school, you might very well be going to school in Sodom. You take your kids, your family to a sporting event. You may very well be taking your family to a sporting event in Sodom. You might have apartments or even homes. And in your neighborhood or your apartments, you may think, well, I'm living in Sodom. Because let me tell you something. When you look at the way Sodom was and you look at the way America is today, you don't see a whole lot of difference, culturally speaking. Sodom has come to us. Lot chose Sodom. He didn't have to go there. He could have gone with Uncle Abraham, but he made that choice. You and I increasingly in our culture today don't have that choice because Sodom has come to us. Culturally, educationally, governmentally, the ideology of Sodom is is very strong in our world. You live in it. I know it. I know you do. There's really no way for us to avoid it. So in a way, we're in it whether we want to be or not. That's why Lot's story plays out to us so personally this morning. Let's spend some time saying, first of all, how how Lot messed up. How Lot messed up. Verse 1, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, and so they turned into him and entered his house. And then he made him a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. When we went through Genesis chapter 18, you might remember that the two angels went on their way, on their journey, on towards Sodom, while the Lord stayed behind and as Abraham was interceding with the Lord on, the, on behalf of the city, even as these angels of judgment were continuing on their way. Now the angels, those two angels, have arrived. Now the Bible does not tell us uh, where the Jehovah angel, where the Lord had gone, but those two angels of judgment had arrived at their destination, and there was no question about what they were going to do. They met Lot significantly in the gate of the city. That meant he had assumed a position of high leadership, perhaps second only under the king. Certainly he was wealthy. He was in an influential position. It's been about 20 years since Lot separated from Abraham. He had accomplished much, but he had painfully ignored the spiritual needs of his family. We could speculate about that neglect because the Bible doesn't record a single instance of Abraham and Lot being together. We could speculate it because the Bible doesn't tell us that Lot ever built a single altar unto God in his entire life. Not one. Uh, We could speculate uh, because the Bible does not ever tell us of a single time when Lot ever communed with the Lord. You see, we could speculate about a lot of things. 
but I prefer just to look at what the Bible actually says. And I think the Bible tells us a lot when the angels came to Lot's house and Lot said, you guys come in and stay with me. And they refused. They would rather stay in the streets of Sodom than spend the night in Lot's house. Wow. God sent a couple of angels to Cabot. Would they spend the night in our house? It's a good question to ask. He had to force them, compel them for their own safety as he saw it, no doubt, to come in and spend the night in his house. I think that's a, a sad testimony to how Lot had neglected the spiritual training and development of his family. Second Peter tells us just this about Lot. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 6 that uh, God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemning them to destruction making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot. That's how we know Lot was in fact a believer who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Lot, you see, had chosen for himself. He made a decision to live independently of the Lord's leadership in his life. He surrounded him and his family with wicked people and their evil deeds on a continual basis. He was tormented spiritually by what he saw, by what he watched, and by what he listened to, what he heard. And there's no evidence that in 20 years, he had ever made any provision for his family's spiritual development. Not a bit. Twenty years is a long time. You can raise your kids from baby to grown in twenty years. You're celebrating a twenty-year milestone, been married twenty years. That, that's a long time, and it's an important milestone. We've been married, having the 20th anniversary. Nancy and I are going to celebrate 40 this year. Uh, it's, it's an important milestone, 20 years. It's a length that we ascribe to a whole generation. He had made a success. For a long time, things seemed to be going good with Lot. Let me tell you something this morning. No man is a, is a success who neglects his relationship with the living God. No amount of success can ever make up for a man refusing to lead his family in the worship of God. It is our condition with God, you see, that is the ultimate standard of a successful life. We can make life look pretty good. We are resourceful. We are opportunistic. We have resources available. We can do pretty good. But ultimately, the success or failure of anybody's life is determined by their condition with God. How do you stand with Him? There are a lot messed up. He messed up because he abandoned God's prescribed form of worship. And though he was isolated from the patriarch of his family, Abraham, 
He made no provision of his own as far as we can tell for any of his children or his family. That's how he messed up. Now let's spend a few moments thinking about what he messed up. Uh, Lot messed up the ability to protect his family. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 5. You'll remember that Lot has invited the angels into his home for their own protection. And suddenly they're surrounded by this mob of men. And they're saying, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren. He didn't have any fellowship with Abraham. And oh God. How could he call that mob his brothers? Please, my brethren, do not so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. What kind of a mob? What kind of a man says to a mob in Sodom, Here, my brethren, take my daughters and do whatever you want to them. Over my dead body. But not Lot. Not Lot. I don't have all the time to develop all of this in relation to, to scripture, but I, let me just tell you, there's a relationship between a man being a courageous man and being a godly man. A godly man is a man of great courage. A godly man, a man with a strong relationship with God is able to stand strong against any situation that might arise. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Simon Peter was confident in his courage and rightly so. Right up until the time, right up until the time that he allowed his flesh to take over and move him away from his prayer and his worship with the Lord and suddenly his courage evaporated like that. He lost his ability to defend his family. He messed up then his ability to lead his, his family. Genesis verse 19, verse chapter 19, verse 12 uh, uh, then they said to Lot, or then the angel said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? The men said to Lot, uh, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy it, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked to his son-in-laws. They laughed at him. They thought he was joking. <laughs> you going to talk to us about God? Hmm. Lot messed up his influence in the city. Uh, verse 9, uh, we begin the chapter with him standing at the gate of the city. But now look what they say to him. They said, stand back. And then they said, this one, that is the mob speaking uh, of Lot. This one came in to stay here. He keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. It was only when the angels struck him with blindness that they abandoned their task. Lot messed up his business investments. 
so that he could no longer provide for his family. Verse 24, the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So we overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. That would include, of course, his cattle, his sheep, all of his possessions, gone. The next scene you'll see in Lot's life, he's living in a cave. Lot messed up his marriage, verse 26. As his wife, I'm not sure how she managed to do it, but even though the angels had laid hands on them and were dragging them out of the city, somehow Lot's wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. He lost his marriage. He lost his family. The last scene the Bible records in Lot's life is a detestable scene. As there in the cave, he would end up having relations with his daughter and having children then who would grow up to be a people cursed of God. Genesis 19. Well, it's a sad story. What did he mess up? Well, he messed up his ability to protect his family. He messed up his ability to provide, uh, to lead for his family. He messed up his influence that he had in the city. He messed up his business investments so he could no longer provide for him. He messed up his marriage and his family all together. And that's the last the Bible tells us about Lot's story. Jesus warned us about Lot. Simon Peter warned us about Lot, but the last chapter of his story is here in chapter 19. Have you ever wondered why that Abraham stopped at 10? I mean, after, after all, he started at 50 and worked all his way down to 10. You wonder why he didn't go on down to 5. But you know, the, the, the angels, when they said to Lot or spoke to him, they mentioned his sons and his sons-in-law. That, and that means that he had two married daughters. So Lot and his wife and his two married daughters and two sons-in-law, that made six. Uh, he had sons, as the Bible said. The angel said to him, your sons. And that would be at least two. That makes eight. He had two daughters still living at home who had never married. That made, let's see, six and, and two is eight and two. See, Abraham was counting on Lot, having at least won his own family to the Lord. But he didn't. He didn't. Had he done that, this story would have a complete different ending. Well, how do we avoid? If we see how Lot messed up and, and what he messed up, then... How can we make sure that we don't become a lot, a lot like Lot? How do we, how do we avoid making Lot's mistake? i got a few passages of Scripture for you this morning. We'll be done. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. John could look at his dear friend, Gaius, and, and pray that he might bless be blessed all over like he's blessed spiritually. But let's understand there, the spiritual side comes first. He could pray that because his spiritual side was strong and healthy. 
Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. And Jesus contextually had been talking about the lilies of the field and all these other things about possessions and the things that we go after. But seek ye first, He said, the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. And Jesus told us to remember Lot's wife drug out of the city but ultimately left behind. You see... Lot messed up. He left, messed up because even though he was making a life for himself, he did not put God first. Ultimately, as far as we could tell it, he left God out of his life. And how we then can avoid becoming a lot is to make sure that we put God first because God never comes next. We can be like Lot, so busy climbing the ladder of success that we leave God out and, and we do everything. We make sure that our family has the education that they need, that they have the cell phones that they need, that they have the insurance that they need, that they have the cars that they need and the food that they need and the shelter that they need and the designer clothes that they need and the right kind of tennis shoes. We give them everything. God help us, we give them everything. If we miss this, we miss it all. Lon was so busy being a success that he forgot the one thing, left out the one thing that we cannot leave out. And that was his responsibility be the spiritual leader in his family. He lived out in what Gordon McDonald said perhaps best when he said, in whatever we attempt without God, we will either fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning, we are living in Sodom today. We are. We didn't choose it. It chose us. And we can't get away from it. Our music, our entertainment, our sporting events, our newscasts, all of them are to a large degree dominated by the ideology of Sodom. Our government legal system is, for the most part, dominated by the ideology of Sodom. Let a political figure stand up these days and say that he believes homosexuality is a sin and see what happens to him. Let a political figure stand up these days, or an entertainment figure even, and say that he does not believe in same-sex marriage and see what is done to him. On the other hand, let a political or an entertainment figure blast Christians and mock the Bible and see what happens to him or her. Occasionally, we might see some little slap on the hands, but nothing like the reign of terror that falls on those who dare to stand against the ideology of Sodom. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters, we live in Sodom, and it's much more powerful today than we'd perhaps like to believe. Like a lot of old, our righteous souls are tormented day in and day out by what we see and, and what we hear. But you see, we... we <laughs> We, we, can't con we can't control a lot of things about what the culture decides to do. I'm not calling on you this morning to go marching out into the streets. 
Not sure that's even going to do all that much good if we did. But what we can do is we can live out the principles of our faith. We can believe Jesus Christ, receive His gospel, have His change come to our life, change our heart, have the Holy Spirit live inside of us, and then we can live out and teach and proclaim the gospel truth in our community. You say, well, surely that's not going to work. It worked in Corinth. Remember? Remember? You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There wasn't a hair's worth of difference between Corinth and Sodom. There were believers in that city following the Lord in baptism, assembling together on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, and perhaps even more in their local church as the gospel is preached there, the word of God is taught there, worship was sung, songs were sung there, prayers were went, out, went up in that place for them. And so even in Sodom, there was a church of the living God and it was making a difference in the lives of people. Lot didn't have that. What he did have, he rejected when he left Abraham. So a great lesson that you and I can learn from Lot's story today and the fact that Jesus Christ himself told us to remember it is to realize that when you're living in Sodom, you need to make sure, absolutely sure, that you have a powerful, regular worship experience, that you are serving the Lord in his prescribed place of worship where you gather together with God's people, where you listen to God's word, where you learn from it, where you hold up one another and pray for one another and fellowship together in the Lord. Believers, you see, can live in Sodom. But oh, we need a church home if we're going to live in Sodom. And we need to be faithful to it. Paul would write to that church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that God will confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When you're living in a town like Corinth or living in a town like Sodom, you need the fellowship of Jesus Christ and the fellowship with God's people. The fellowship that he promised when he said, Where two or three gather together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. Uh, men, if you feel a little bit picked on this morning, you should. God has established a New Testament church, but the principle of spiritual leadership has never changed. God has set it up. So that our families would be led by a godly man submitted to Jesus Christ who then calls his family to do the same. We can make things look good for a long time. But if we fail to lead our family spiritually, sooner or later it will show up. In Lot's case, it took about 20 years. That's about average, I'd say, for how long it takes to show up. I've heard it one time, I've heard it a thousand times from families wondering about why 
when their children went off to college. Why, when they got grown, they stopped going to church? And a lot of times, if we were really honest, it was at that commitment to our own church family in our own homes was not what it should have been. We didn't lose the battle, folks, when we went to college. We lost the battle in second, third, fourth, seventh grade. God help us as people, God's people today, to realize that when you're living in a culture like you and I are living in, then this regular time of worship and service, having strong spiritual leadership in your family, is vital, vital for the spirituality of your family, for your spiritual survival. And I call you to this this morning, knowing what a serious thing it is, to do it because I love you, I love this book, and I love seeing what God does for people when they just submit to Him. Our lives aren't perfect, all right? But my goodness, isn't it wonderful to be blessed of God when you know that you're doing what God wants you to do? To see then and that time that comes like John the Elder said when he said, I have no greater joy, no greater joy than to see my children walking in truth. That can be your legacy, men. That can be your legacy, ladies. It can be. Let's be those men and not be Lot. Stand with us.